When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Whether we're talking basements or high-rises, it's safe to say that homes in Phoenix are a little different from other parts of the country. Either way, I'm sure you know the Valley has a lot to offer. The weather is consistent and sunny. It's a great place to be a commuter thanks to the views of mountains and the skyline, especially high-rises, at least in my neighborhood. Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. In today's episode, we're answering a few questions from our listeners. Both are about residential development in Metro Phoenix. The first is from our listener, Aaron, who is curious about basements in the Valley. His question reads, can you explain what caliche is and what has its impact been in Phoenix? Producer Keith Reed spoke with developers, geologists, and officials with the city of Phoenix to understand caliche and residential development in the valley. Keith, take it away. It's quite funny that I'm reporting on this question. Before completing my research, I'm on Aaron's side with this. I moved to the valley from Chicago a few months ago. I now share a bungalow with a friend of mine. One day, it struck me. Where are the basements? Where I'm from, most single-family homes have basements. Why not in the valley? Does it have to do with Kalichi? I reached out to Steve Semkin. He's a professor of geology in the School of Earth and Space Exploration at Arizona State University. He explained what Kalichi is and where it can be found. Geologically, Kalichi is, is a accumulation of the mineral calcite, which has the chemical composition calcium carbonate. It's actually identical to Tums or limestone. Um, and it's, a, it's an accumulation of calcium carbonate that, that forms along with soil in many arid parts of the world, such as uh, the Sonoran Desert. Caliche is identical to limestone. That makes it an extremely durable mineral. According to the U.S. General Services Administration, limestone is a sedimentary rock that is composed mainly of calcium carbonate. Sometimes there are tiny fossils, shell fragments, and debris mixed into the mineral. It varies in color and thickness. It's, it's most common in the more arid parts, you know, like the lower deserts down here. You'll get, a, you'll get a layer that's maybe at least a foot thick to maybe, you know, three feet, meter or so thick that forms below the surface, maybe, you know, maybe about a meter below the surface. And it's this very hard layer. It's also called hard pan is another term for it. To put it bluntly, the ground here in the desert is very hard, and digging beneath the surface is challenging. For those of you who may be confused, caliche is in the earth, and kalachis are the Czech sweet pastries. Basements may seem trivial to some, but there are valley residents who pursue homes with basements. As a matter of fact, there are several tract housing developments in the valley that include basements. Some of these basements are built for families with children in mind. 
They include multiple bedrooms, a bathroom, and a common area. Some just have one room that can be used for just about anything. But from what I gathered, these homes come with something else. And so, yeah, the construction cost for them would be high, and you'd have to use dynamite. You've heard that correctly. Dynamite. TNT. If you wondered how builders have been able to get through Kalichi, well, blowing up the ground is definitely one way. That's what some stories I've been told of in Scottsdale, parts of Scottsdale, they would use dynamite to excavate basements. That's Ramon Aerosmith. He's a professor of geology in the School of Earth and Space Exploration at Arizona State University, just like Steve from earlier. But I think it's more than that. I think it's also just the style of construction in Arizona is a little bit lower cost. You know, we have plenty of space. We don't need to go deep. We can go horizontally. Ramon is onto something. If we do have the space, why not keep building outward instead of upward? This leads us to the second question from our listener, Michael, who was interested in the way the Valley metro area develops condo complexes. His question reads, why do we continue to develop outwards instead of upwards? We've had a huge focus on revitalizing downtown, and there are a lot of three to four story apartment complexes and a few high rise apartment complexes, but why not 20 to 30 story condo complexes? Growing up in Chicago, it was common to see high-rises all throughout the city. They are great places for shade and pretty to look at. During my time here in Phoenix, I sought after those high-rises for much-needed shade. You have a tendency to build outward as opposed to upward at times, but historically that's been kind of the case. But uh, in recent years, there's been a effort by a lot of the cities in the valley to increase that that density to increase kind of the culture of those of those places by bringing higher density residential higher density office into uh, you know centers of business uh, and then also bringing in that street level retail street level shade through through trees or canopies that's will mccrory He's a design principal at Smith Group, Architects and Engineers. He has worked on many projects in the Valley. I picked Will's brain to understand the tendency to develop outward instead of upward, especially since it seems to work so well in downtown Phoenix. Uh, most cities you know, have a kind of a central business district where they're trying to maximize the height of, of the development that they have. And then obviously they want to be sensitive to the more neighborhood, residential, low rise. And so it tends to kind of taper down outside of the central business district. And and obviously they want to promote different styles of living, different amounts of density. So they take a very careful look at that and are constantly reevaluating that with their, their master plans. Smith Group is responsible for several award-winning designs such as the General Motors Design Dome, the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C., and one that's near and dear to me, Chicago South Lakefront Framework Plan. When I asked Will about his favorite project in the Valley, he said, I've really enjoyed working for Sky Harbor. We've done a number of uh, projects for Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, and it's been really interesting working on that project because it really is unique to the Valley. It is a gateway to the city. You're arriving to the city by air primarily, and it's kind of your first impression 
and it's been a fun fun project to work on and a lot of people are involved with that and it impacts people throughout the valley. It's easy to get sidetracked when talking about high rises. Let's not forget that if Jack Swilling hadn't stopped near the White Tank Mountains to water his horse in 1867, Phoenix may have never been born. Swilling saw the potential in the land and the word quickly spread. Soon, Phoenix was regarded as a city with an emerging industry, which led to the rapid influx of pioneers. The city kept growing, families kept growing, and homes were being built left and right. Like cities in the Northeast, the 1920s were a golden age of city building. Phoenix saw its first seven-story skyscraper in 1920, the Herd Building. In 1924, the 10-story Lures Building. In 1928, the Hotel Westward Hope. Then came the Great Depression. And shortly after, World War II. Like the majority of the country, Phoenix stopped developing. Phoenix weathered the Great Depression and the war, but it was still a small city and lacked money and labor to continue developing downtown. Phoenix depended on agriculture outside the city, and due to the large amounts of land available, creating a building culture downtown became less important. However, through the years, that mentality started to change. Fast forward 75 plus years and Phoenix is still growing. On any given day, you can see about four cranes in the sky centered around downtown. You know, it is, it's been a crazy place to watch growth. That's Chris Mackey, the Director of Community and Economic Development for the City of Phoenix. So I grew up here. I've been here my whole entire life. My first memory of the population of Metro Phoenix, or it could have been the state of Arizona, was about 900,000 people. And if you look at the region today, we push, you know, we push just over 5 million and about 7 million in the entire state. So the numbers have just grown exponentially. And residential development must catch up with the demand. According to the downtown absorption study, over the last 10 years, the imbalance has led to low housing, rising home prices, and increased demand for rental housing throughout the Metro Phoenix area. Downtown Phoenix has a rate of around 1% absorption. And that is, you know, the new product comes online, it gets absorbed, meaning that somebody leases that space, and I'm talking about residential. And that's really a great absorption rate. You're kind of looking across the region and saying, they're building it, people are moving in, they're taking the space, they're moving out of older space, and that leaves older space for other people to move into. But downtown Phoenix is absorbing four and a half times faster than any other place in all of Metro Phoenix. With Phoenix operating at such an imbalance and facing a housing shortage, the city is working to bridge the gap for their residents. Really kind of prior to 2014 and, and really more like 15, 16, there wasn't a lot of options for people who wanted to live a high-rise lifestyle in downtown Phoenix. There were a handful of buildings and they were, were at any given time, you know, 96, 97, 98% occupied. And now that we're adding all of this new product, I think we have 6,000 um, units that are either under construction, they've just completed, or they're just getting ready to start construction. So you add 9,000 new people into living in downtown Phoenix. Now people have a, a much greater opportunity, but people are moving in 
even more quickly than I even thought they were. If you haven't been in downtown Phoenix lately, first, you should go. And second, it's changed. Or at least that's what I've been told. I can say that walking in downtown Phoenix is like walking through an active construction site that never ends. I don't envy the people living in high-rises now. Sometimes there are all those lots that are right next to someone's home or right next to a single-story business or something that's there. And that is sometimes that's part of the growth of a city because a city that doesn't grow will die. But we try very, very, very hard to not ever really impede on our residences that way. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, in 2020, Phoenix ranked fifth by population in the United States. It's one of the youngest of all of the big U.S. cities. So as the city continues growing, will there be enough space like Ramon said earlier? Or will we have to start looking up instead of out? Keith, thank you so much. You know, I've lived here my whole life and always wondered why the valley is built this way. So honestly, even some things in this surprised me. Listeners, if you have more Phoenix history-related questions, make sure to submit them to our team at valley101.azcentral.com. And if you're a regular listener of our show, please consider supporting it by subscribing to azcentral.com. That's all for this week. Make sure to follow Valley 101 on Twitter at AZC Podcasts and check out the politics show, The Gaggle, where reporters break down local issues and help you keep up with what matters in Arizona's political news. I'm Kayla White signing off. Take care.